Welcome to New in Nashville. This is your host, Elam Freeman. I'm a commercial real estate broker and yoga instructor based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am a Nashville native who has spent time living in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. I have also traveled to all 50 states and visited nearly every U.S. metropolitan city bigger than Nashville. I am crazy about Nashville's growth and want natives, newcomers, and tourists to have the knowledge they need to keep up with our city's pace. Today's guest is Lily Clayton Hansen. Lily is an artist in all senses of the word, with her favorite medium being the art of conversation. When Lily was 25, she relocated to Nashville with five years of professional writing experience under her belt. At that time, Lily began compiling interviews and portrait photography for her first book, Word of Mouth Nashville Conversations. The Coffee Table book, praised locally and regionally upon its 2015 release, has since garnered press endorsements by brands such as Madewell and Emma Jean and Willie, and partnerships with the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, Vanderbilt University, and the Nashville Airport. In 2017, Lily and her word-of-mouth team had a key slot at the Southern Festival of Books, and she has spoken about her project at arts organizations and universities across the country. Word of mouth also inspired year-long art installations at the Vanderbilt Curb Center and Nashville Airport featuring photography, sculpture, and drawings related to the book. Lily released her follow-up Word of Mouth More Conversations in March 2018 and recently launched her own boutique publishing company. Today we are here with Lily Clayton Hansen author and speaker in Nashville and really excited. Lily has become one of my great friends and can't wait to have her on the show and tell you about all her, let her tell you about all of her wonderful endeavors um, and kind of how she came to Nashville and launched her business. So without further ado, welcome Lily. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Of course. Thanks for coming out and spending your evening here tonight. Um, so usually I just dive in and kind of ask people a little bit about their life story and particularly their life story in conjunction with Nashville. So can you tell us what originally were the pros and cons of moving to Nashville? And maybe that includes some of the positives when you moved here and some of the easy things moving from Chicago and some of the things that were harder at first. Sure. Um, so, you know, when I moved to Nashville, I had only actually been to the city one time for three days. It was one of those uh, crazy sort of um, intuitive decisions. I had come here with my boyfriend at the time, and I had been looking for a while um, for another city to move to. Well, I love my native Chicago and grew up right in the middle of the city, and I'm very proud to be uh, you know, a lifelong urbanite. I felt like if I was in a little big city like Nashville, maybe I would be able to achieve things quicker. Uh, You know, I had a lot of ambitions at a young age. And so I would say moving to Nashville, it was all pros. Really, the only con was that I moved here with 500 bucks in my pocket knowing no one. And so, um, you know, I and again, that's, you know, where my interview series comes in, which is when I moved to town, um... I wanted to figure out what was going on around here, you know, kind of what's happening in this new city that I landed in. And so 
I thought, well, what better way to do that than to employ, you know, this uh, sort of superpower I have, which is to get people to open up. And so I just began chatting with all the locals. And eventually that turned into my first book, Word of Mouth, Nashville Conversations. That's awesome. So when you started doing that, were you thinking that you would do the book or were you just solely, it was more of a hobby passion? You know, I had been writing professionally at that point for about five years. And so the writing was always um, sort of my ace in the hole. That was, you know, what I knew how to do. And I'm very fortunate I've gotten paid to do it since I was pretty young. The interviews I always loved to do, I didn't have a ton of experience. Um, You know, I had done them in Chicago in terms of music journalism, which was something I did for a couple of years, um, and arts criticism. But I knew I was passionate about it. I knew I loved it. I love talking to people. I'm definitely, um, you know, a, an extroverted introvert, but I'm a real people person. And so I really just wanted to hear people's stories. And also, I think it's important to note a huge driving force was I was lonely, you know, I mean, I didn't really um, have any friends when I moved here. And so for me, the interviews were a way for me to connect with those around me and not only figure out what Nashville was about as a city, um, but also to feel that sense of connection to this new community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about your career trajectory Um, And what you were doing prior to writing your book, who you were were writing for, um, and what caused you to pivot full-time into having your own business? Sure. So, you know, I my first writing job um, was, you know, in college. I was flipping through my college newspaper one day and I noticed they didn't have a um, an art section. And, you know, I was uh, an art history minor. My father is a professional painter and cartoonist. And so, you know, as the story goes, I stormed into the meeting like I always do and was like, hey, listen, like I see this lack and I would like to fulfill it because I always think if you're going to point out that something's wrong, then you better have a plan, you know? (laughs) And so they looked at me kind of like, okay, crazy girl. And, you know, fine. Like if you think you can do things better around here, then go for it. And so I said, well, yeah. And so for a year, um, you know, I built up this, um, you know, niche, which was uh, arts criticism and kind of uh, built a nice portfolio around that. And then from there, I got into music journalism, which I did for several years. And then um, it became more art and design writing and then celebrity profiles. So I've worked very hard throughout my career, again, since I started writing professionally and getting a byline and getting paid at age 20 to develop different specialities that's been very important to me. Um, I think if you are too much of a dilettante, you don't really develop an area of expertise or voice. But I've also experimented a lot. You know, when I was younger, I did everything from work for a publicist and write press releases and, you know, tweets to um, I, I wrote, you know, advertising copy for Lord & Taylor and wrote about men's clothing, which I actually really like and find interesting of all things. And so... I think through a lot of experimentation and quite frankly, doing stuff I wasn't good at or wasn't passionate about, I've gotten fired from, you know, more than a few jobs. Um, That was what led me to what I really loved, which is the interviews and biographical style writing. I think that experimentation 
and failing was absolutely critical to any sort of success I've had. Yeah, I love the way that you put that. It's it's so true. And I think I just think a lot of times about how many people are missing out on so much of life because of their fear of failure. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it is, you know, it's it's um I I would say, you know, I um I've I've had humbling experiences where you know, I think when you're younger, you're a little more arrogant. And so I would think, oh, I'm, you know, I can do, I can do that. And I certainly could not, you know, I, I, I wrote a branding statement once for a legal nurse consulting company. And I finally just had to admit, like, I, you know, there's certain things I don't know how to do, nor do I want to do, um, which again, is a great thing because when you stumble upon the thing that you're really passionate about, um, it makes you want to dive into it even more so. And I sort of became obsessed with the interviews and not only doing them, and I've done quite a few of them, as you know, I've probably at this point around like 1,500, um, but I also s- study and, you know, I, I think about what I do a lot and I'm always trying to get better. Yeah, no, I love that. I always think that when you you find your true passion and your true career when you're doing what you would have been doing when you got home from your salary or, you know, your everyday job, whether it's working at a restaurant or just whatever you're doing just to kind of make meets in, whatever you're doing in your free time outside of that job, if you can turn that into a career, like, I feel like that's where you've struck gold. So, um, that's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. So give us a quick synopsis about word of mouth conversations and just what services the brand encompasses and um, what you see for it in the future. Sure. So, you know, right now I would call myself an author and publisher. Um, You know, everything stems from my first book, Word of Mouth Nashville Conversations, which is a beautiful coffee table book that came out almost four years ago um, when I was 26, 20, yeah, 26. And, um, you know, basically what I'm doing today is I, I, after producing two books about the city of Nashville, which I obviously am very passionate about, I also believe in writing about where you are. And so, you know, I've lived in Nashville the last six years. It's been um, an en- endless source of not only inspiration, but um I've had an endless roster of, you know, of characters to interview. That led to my current projects, which are I am producing custom coffee table books for corporations. And, um, you know, my first one I published and wrote last year. It actually came out a couple months ago. It was for the 50th anniversary of HCA Healthcare. And like anything in my life, I mean, I would blame it on right time, place, following up and stupid good luck. You know, I mean, I just so happened to be um, dating someone who happened to say to me three years ago in passing one day, you should work with HCA. And I didn't even know what HCA did. I mean, they're like the biggest company in Nashville, one of the biggest in the Southeast. And I was like, okay. And so one day, like a year later, I'm sitting in my apartment and that just pops in my head. And I think I'm a highly intuitive person. I generally sort of follow, you know, if if something pops in my head, I'll follow it. And so I texted a mutual friend and I said, 
hey, do you know anyone at HCA? Someone said I should work with them. And he said, yeah, my best friend's the marketing director. So long story short, he brings her and I together. Um, Bless Marcus Whitney for doing that, my guardian angel. And she and I have coffee. And it turns out, lo and behold, she's a big fan of my first book. And she says to me over coffee, hey, would you consider creating a book like this for our 50th? You know, this would be great um, to showcase our people and their stories through, you know, your conversations. And so, you know, a year and some change later, I have, you know, my HCA book, which is kind of amazing. And so, again, I I think that um, I'm just so grateful that all these amazing opportunities have come my way. And I was just insane enough to say yes to them and just trusted it would all work out. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I love, I just feel like, intentionally or unintentionally you've done such a good job of both for you personally and just for the city building bridges between there's I personally feel like there's a lot of like walls up between whether it's between people that are from Nashville and not from Nashville or in this industry or not in this industry or you know in a different industry and or live in this neighborhood or another neighborhood and it's like there's a lot of times I feel like a lack of interaction between Mm -hmm. people in Nashville and there's a lot of um, kind of silos. And I love that your books bring really break down those walls. And, you know, especially coming into these corporate settings um, where, you know, you your network probably when you first moved here was more in the arts community and or in the service community and just being able to bridge those gaps. And you're such a good connector that I really feel like um, that it's even bringing a greater service to the city. Thank you. Well, yeah, I had, um, you know, I was telling you earlier, um, I, I had a, I had a great business meeting today and I was explaining to my prospective client, um, that the, the one hallmark of my brand is to level the playing field. So, you know, the CEO of HCA gets the same amount of photos and words and time with myself and my photographer, as the janitor. And that's so important to me because of the way I grew up, um, you know, growing up in a very lower middle class, you know, blue collar Chicago neighborhood where, I mean, everyone's parents were like plumbers and firefighters and hung out at the local pub, um, drinking PBR, of course, because <laughs> it's Chicago. Um, and, you know, just to show that everyone's story deserves to be heard. You know, and and I would also attribute that to I'm so proud of the fact that I worked for 14 and a half, almost 15 years in the service industry, which I used to finance my first two books out of literally my bartending tips um, because I have worked those menial jobs and I have been treated really well and I've also been talked down to and, you know, I have served literally and um I just don't, you know, I, I I guess maybe I have a more of like a utopian sort of, you know, egalitarian sort of view of the world. But um, I think we get too into like, you know, it's almost like the class system and judging people based on, you know, their job and their income and who they're married to. And what I've, you know, gleaned from interviewing, again, probably like 1,500 people um, and having probably hundreds of thousands of conversations is that we're really all the same. Right. And that's just so absolutely 
like that's like my driving force with what I do is to show that and to show that everyone deserves respect. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And um, we need more people with that driving force in the world. (laughs) So you've been referred to as the people whisperer. What does this mean and how do you do it? Well, um, <laughs> my best friend, Laura Lee Bryant, who's a pretty well-known, very well-known uh, chef in town, she was the one who coined that term a couple years ago, and I thought it was adorable, and so it stuck. Um, I think my entire life I've had so, some sort of innate ability to get people to open up, and I don't know really what it is, honestly. Um I've taught classes about the art of interview and I have skills like anyone does, you know, I also act, you know, in the margins for fun. And, um, I guess they'd be comparable to like acting tactics, you know, to make someone feel comfortable, but I don't know what it is. People just feel very comfortable sharing themselves with me, you know, and, um, and that's been a great, honor to be able to sit down with strangers, um, many, many of them, and have them feel that I'm offering them a safe space where they can tell their story. And it's gratifying. And from what I hear from them, it's very cathartic. And again, it's it's why I'm just a huge proponent of conversation. And um, I think just people being more honest with one another and sharing their, you know, both their struggles and their high points. I think it's important to talk about the good stuff as well. It's not all like, you know, Barbara Walters, like cry fest in my interviews. Um, I think it's so important for people feeling less alone and more connected to the world around them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, tell us about your, well, we talked about some of your corporate gigs, but, um, how do those books differ from your word of mouth conversation books? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I very lucky. Um, very early on, um, I worked with a great designer named Katie Jacobs, um, who actually used to be one of the main people at Nashville Lifestyles. Now she is extremely well known and has her own brand. I'm so proud of her. She's like a best selling author. But Katie and I met. I was a main contributor to Nashville Lifestyles. She was on the payroll. Um, we became fast friends through the founder, Stacy Standifer, who's one of my dear friends as well. And she worked with me to innovate this um, template. So, you know, so the hallmark of my books is, you know, the, there's black and white photos. There's an intimacy to the photos. Um, I'm very big into portrait photography and environmental photography, showing people in their spaces. And then, you know, basically it's pull quotes and there is a grid on the front of the cover of the book, which again is meant to show that each person is of equal importance. And so the style and aesthetic of the books is always the same. The corporate books, I would say... They're very similar to my first two books on Nashville. Um, Maybe people don't go as deep with me because they can't, you know, and and again, I'm, I'm a big believer in adapting to my surroundings. I would say I'm kind of a shapeshifter by nature. Um, And I realized getting into the corporate world, having never had actually a day job in my entire life, 
that I was willing to go with people as far as they wanted to go. And so I actually think even though maybe people don't open up with me quite as much, I'm still, as one person put it this past week, pushing boundaries by getting them to talk about themselves in general and maybe show a little bit more of their essence. And so that I'm really, really proud of. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. And I love that the synonymousness of the brand kind of throughout all of your books Um, and just how you've been able to really stay true to that, even going into all of these different places, because knowing that and that confidence, I think, is what continues for opportunities to come your way. Yeah. And I would say, you know, it's it's always about real people. Yeah. I mean, and um, and making um, even the people in corporations like the celebrities of the corporations, like the CEO or the CMO or the, um, you know, VPs, humanizing them. Right. And, um, you know, showing that even the CEO gets scared sometimes and has his own uh, worries. That to me is what's really important. Yeah. I think that, you um, there's this leadership style where, you know, people can try to appear perfect. And I always say interviewing is the most imperfect art form. It's like a mess most of the time. And you're just kind of going all over the place and letting people, you know, uh, ramble on like I am with you right now um, to figure out what their story is. And so I also like to show, yes, people's strengths, but also I think, um, their imperfections as well. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, speaking of branding, how do you handle branding and social media? And has this evolved over time since you started your business? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, the branding for me was always an evolution. Um, I think, you know, I've always had a very strong look to my books. I think how I presented, myself in the, you know, public eye or whatever you would say has kind of evolved. Um, and I'm also always evolving as well. I mean, there was a point in time where I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and, you know, now I'm more focused on doing live interviews, for example, as you know, which are, um, comparable to like a panel discussion. Um, I think I've just kind of let my brand evolve as I do as an artist, you know, and, and it's probably why I honestly don't have some kind of massive social media following because I'm very real, you know, if, if I'm, and I like to show that I'm more than just an author. Um, you know, I, I like to show that I go on vacation or I have friends or I like to have a cocktail or, you know, I, I draw and act and I think it's important to show that stuff. Um, and, it's very, for me, unplanned and uncanned. And um, I'm okay with that because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I'm more than my job. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just hard to – or it's, it's something that's so important to, like, remind yourself of. But it's – especially when you love what you do, it's so hard not to get wrapped up in that – that wrapped up in your identity. So – yeah, I mean, I think branding's a weird thing. I've been involved in it my entire career because I've always written bios. And so, you know, I've been hired, um, you know, really since my early 20s to be a part of the branding process. Um, 
It can be a tricky thing because I think while it's important to present yourself in a certain way, um, to me, sort of the confines of social media in particular can feel very constrictive. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. So I just, I'd like to put out quality work and that kind of stuff. I don't think I take it seriously. Right, right. No, I agree. Um, Speaking of that as well and just kind of like awareness of your brand, can you tell us a little bit about the airport exhibit and how that came about? Yes, that was amazing. Um, again, I have something. If you ever need good luck, Elam, you're welcome to rub my head for lily luck. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I feel like my entire life I have um, had great timing. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was at a function at Vanderbilt and ended up meeting the dean of the English department who ended up becoming a very good friend. And so what resulted from that was uh, Vanderbilt for a year did a study on my first book. We did a live interview series where I would bring in subjects from that book and interview them in front of Curb Center scholars. So it was this very prestigious group of students. And then we did a year-long art exhibition featuring photographs from that book and then artwork inspired by the interviews. And so at the opening party, the CEO of the airport, as well as the woman who's in charge of all the art programming, attended. And at the end of the evening, they pulled me aside and said, do you think that you could recreate this in the airport? And I said, yeah, of course. And they were like, well, no, you don't understand. Like, the airport's like a zoo. Like, you know, (laughs) people are crazy. They're, like, throwing stuff at the walls. And, like, this artwork needs to be, like, indestructible. And I was like... You know, if you give us enough time, we can do whatever you want. And so in the airport right now, in terminals A and C in the food court, I have a three-wall installation. I'm pretty sure it's either the first time they've given it to an artist or at least one of the only times. Um, Again, featuring photography from my second book, which is sold in the airport stores, and artwork inspired by the interviews. So sculptures by one of my best friends, sculptor Carolyn Boutwell, and paintings by one of my favorite painters, Omari Booker, who's also a feature in my second book. And I just love, well, when I just love art, I mean, I I grew up doing it. I was always an art major. Um, Obviously, I love writing about it. But for me, it's so fun to be able to bring other artists in. Um, You know, and the photographs by my photographer, Ron Manville, um, I should mention that. And be able to give them a place to showcase their work and um, kind of show um, all of these different, you know, artworks together in one place, strung together through a cohesive theme, which is conversation, community, and, you know, face-to-face connection. Um, And so, I mean, props to the airport. They do such an amazing job curating the artwork there. And again, it was just such a testament to... um, how innovative Nashville is and how they're always looking to not only showcase local artists in very, you know, high profile spaces, but, um, but give people like myself, you know, an opportunity to show off what might be a different kind of art, which is the art of the interview. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. It was thrilling. I mean, you know, I, when it went up in February, I mean, I, I actually flew in from Chicago, like landed um, after like three days of like partying with my best friends, was exhausted <laughs> and went to the opening and was like, this is the craziest, coolest thing I've ever accomplished in my whole career. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, 
the number of people coming through that airport and just like the publicity that gives her you and just like how many it's neat to me that Nashville's airport is thinking about that and curating and you know I don't know that much about airport curation but I would imagine that not all of them are thinking so intentionally about what they're putting up on the walls and the vendors are bringing in and I know even as a recent they're they've hired a new company to come in and kind of revamp some of the vendors and when I'm in there there's local like eighth and roast is in there now Mm -hmm. and I believe it's Yazoo or um, one of the breweries has an outpost there so it's really nice to see um, because a lot of people spend a lot of their life in airports especially if you travel for work and it's nice to see them being revamped and no longer just a bunch of like McDonald's and Burger Kings. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it is. Uh, I think the airport is one of the absolute coolest places in town. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. So what impact both positive and negative do you see technology having on both the book industry and the live interview industry? Well, you know, it's interesting because I actually met with a, um, the representative of a very uh, prominent tech company this morning. And I think it's very interesting that technology companies and people that are into tech are now grasping on to the fact that folks like myself are creating these brands around the exact opposite. I mean, which is, you know, face-to-face conversation. I mean, everything I do is about getting away from the phone, getting away from the computers and the email and sitting down and having a cup of coffee or tea or a cocktail and a chat. Um, And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, like anyone, I have to be on my computer for my job. Um, You know, I I use social media. Um, I'm obviously on my phone, but I think... I don't really know what effect the technology industry will have on those industries. I know for me, the sort of um, message maybe I would like to drive is just for people to be more cognizant of the fact that having real conversations is so important to their mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why my books are a symbol for that. You know, it's it's these series of conversations um, in the written form And I hope that by them being placed on coffee tables, um, whether it's, you know, HCA's hospitals, um, you know, all over the world uh, or my Nashville books, which I'm very lucky. A lot of people buy as gifts or I see them on coffee tables all over town. It reminds people to just look up from their phone, look up from Instagram and talk to whoever is in front of them. Um, And equally, I'm very passionate about my live interviews which I do around town. Again, they're similar to panel discussions because I think they're demonstrative as well, not only of having conversations, but of the importance of listening and engaging and asking good questions and quite frankly, just showing an interest in something outside of yourself. And it's like I always say, I mean, you know, I'm as self-absorbed as the next person, um, you know, but my greatest joy has come from taking the focus off of me and asking questions about other people's lives. Yeah. It's, and I feel like the live interviews, it's something that just like I'm sure people think about like, well, couldn't this be done on a podcast or couldn't this be a YouTube video? But 
there's something about being in a room and experiencing that with other people and the live participation. And even, you know, for instance, sometimes I'll get invited to be in a webinar, but it's just not the same as like actually being there live. So... Yeah, it's like I love going to a place, you know, or um, or I grew up doing music journalism because um, my father was a musician. And so, you know, I, I grew up watching my dad in concert. And then when I was in my early 20s, I got in very heavily into music journalism for a few years. And there's nothing like a live performance, um, whether it's a conversation or it's a guitar player and Again, I think there's some sort of impact that maybe I can have through these live interviews that will affect people more if they witness a really great conversation in person than if they watched it, you know, on their phone on YouTube. Right. And that's the hope, at least. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, do you think you'll do another book? And if so, will it continue to be natural focused or will you focus? And I guess to caveat outside of the corporate business. Um, will it be Nashville focused or do you think you'll expand outside of Nashville? Well, that's a great question. I would love to do a book about Chicago, you know, which I've been trying to get funding for for a couple of years. Um, about two years ago, I was in a very serious conversation with a very notable Chicago publisher. Um, and unfortunately, the project fell through, but I have thought about it every day ever since, you know, and I'm a big believer in manifesting and, you know, what you think about you get. And so I would absolutely be the happiest person in the world if I were able to do some sort of book about Chicago, you know, Mm -hmm. a city that I, I love and I know well, but I also think not having lived in for the last six years, it's made me objective enough Mm -hmm. where maybe I could come in and see it through fresh eyes. Right. I equally would love to do a book about London where I lived, you know, for three months last year and, you know, have visited many times over the years and really love. I did a, you know, short 20 person interview series last year and London's a city that fascinates me and I think I feel real kinship towards it for whatever reason. And so once again, I keep hoping that some sort of project there takes flight in one form or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, the Chicago thing seems like a no-brainer to me with the synergies between the two cities, too. And even if there was some sort of book that linked the two cities, it's it's really amazing to just see all the investment between Chicago. And I think it's, you know, it's the closest by plane, the shortest flight of a big city to us, so— I know. I mean, you know this being in development. I mean, there's an amazing Nashville to Chicago connection. And um, I guess I didn't really realize that until maybe a year or two into living here when, like, it seemed like, you know, boatloads of people from Chicago were moving in. And I was like, what's going on? But, um, yeah, it's really cool. There, You're agreed. There's a real synergy, and I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, excited to see what's to come. <laughs> um, what are some upcoming opportunities the Nashville community has to hear you speak, and how can businesses engage with you and your books? Sure. So um, I'm doing a live interview, actually, at your apartment complex, um, which would be Acklin right. uh, Luxury Apartments. 
on Thursday, December 6th at 6.30 p.m. It's open to the public. Um, doing live interviews at apartment complexes is a huge passion of mine. I live at a really great apartment complex called the Ryman Artist Lofts, and we have an excellent culture and community. And I'm a firm believer in connecting with your neighbors and how much um, happiness this, you know, provides. It's it's very similar to working for a company uh, that you enjoy. And so the whole intention of these live interviews at the apartment complexes, as you know, is to bring in people I've interviewed from my first and second book on Nashville, interview them live in front of the community in order to give them an opportunity to hear the stories of local proprietors, um, but also to network and engage with one another, you know, in a fun sort of unique way, different than just like a beer and pizza party, you right. know, which is great too. Um, and so, so that will hopefully be the first of many, um, you know, and as far as my books go, my books are sold all over town. Um, and you can also buy my second book through, my website, Word of Mouth, More Conversations. My first book can be found on Amazon. And um, I, oddly enough, but gratefully, sell a lot of my books direct to consumer in bulk. So, you know, I have a lot of uh, personal clients in the you know real estate world, for example, that will buy them as gifts because right. they are unique. Um, and so I try to make it as easy as possible for people to access me and my services. Um, because again, I'm just so passionate about what I do. I just want to share it with everyone. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, yeah, there's just so much opportunity, I think for, um, whether it's a corporation or a residential situation for people to use your services just to come in and really create and deepen community there. Um, and just a way that, like you said, some of these other, more typical events wouldn't do. And I love that the idea of having your book for a gift as well, because it's just such a, I think it can be so easy. Like I'm thinking about, you know, client Christmas gifts right now. And, you know, how many people just get a box of cookies or a box of chocolate that doesn't really have any long-term significance. And it's something that you can, especially if you're giving it to someone from out of town that has ties to Nashville, it's like, an ode to somewhere they love or an ode to somewhere they do business. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one of the amazing things about having a product is, you know, you see what industries catch on to it. And I mean, you know, a lot of times it's just, uh, again, stupid good luck. And so the conventions were really into buying my books, you know, as a welcome to town gift for a while. Then it became the real estate community. Welcome to your new house. Then, you know, it kind of grew from there. Um, even a book like the HC one, I mean, that's been kind of fascinating to see how these things are used. You know, obviously, like these corporate books are used internally as a guide, you know, for HR, for example. But then I've had loads of people reach out to me and say, hey, my clients, you know, in real estate work at HCA. I want to do some more research on the company so I know what to talk to them about. Can I buy the book from you? Right. So it's just really cool. It's it's yeah. just, it's amazing. And, you know, I, I feel very happy um, that I've created a product that is so um, practical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's like the funny thing. It's like, I, I feel like so much art is so wonderful, but it's so 
impractical and I, I want to create stuff that it's like, it's like a handbook. Yeah. You know, yeah. it like actually serves a purpose yes. that makes me feel good. Like I'm not just like wasting my time <laughs> and someone else's money. Yeah, I know. It's like art meets psychology meets business all in one. And I think it serves multiple purposes. But yeah, I mean, that's what I love about it. It's, I've never really been a person that was into fiction or like fantasy type stuff, but I've always been more of like a documentary type person. And I think that your book really serves that purpose for people that um, like all different forms of art, but are just genuinely interested in getting to know their community and those around them. Yeah. Well, and I mean, lo and behold, I mean, one of the funniest things I've discovered is um, people like reading about other people's jobs. I mean, it's so funny. It's like, you know, and maybe it's an American thing because we're all bunch of workaholics, but it's like people are just fascinated by what other people do. And so, I mean, again, and me, obviously, as well, this is like, you know, how he innovated my brand. Um, So it was funny. It was like what was once just my own selfish interest. All of a sudden I looked up one day and I was like, oh, wow, like, yeah, other people are interested in knowing what all the healthcare people do. Yeah. You know, or in my Nashville books, it's like what everyone from the CEO of the symphony to the the local tattoo artist does. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it was like I thought— well, hell, that's awesome. It's like one of the first times where one of my primary interests resonated with the public. <laughs> right. No, it's so true. I mean, look at LinkedIn. They've been uh, pretty successful. And it's all <laughs> about just being able to go on there and look at what people do. But I like that you peel back the layers a little deeper. <laughs> right. And LinkedIn is how you and I met. Yeah, so I love exactly. that to bring it full circle. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about a day in your life. Sure. Um, well, I am by nature an early riser, which is funny because I worked in bars for years. And so um, now I actually enjoy getting up early. I probably get up at like 6 or 6.30 and very big into my exercise. So I usually like to go for a long walk in the morning. Um, I used to meditate. Now I'm more into just being present. And for me, that could just be like eating breakfast quietly. Um, and I think, you know, that's again, one of the things going back to the interviews that I love so much is similar to acting. Like I have to be so there because if you space out for a second, someone's going to get mad at you if they can tell you're not listening. Um, and then, you know, whatever project I'm working on at the morning or at the moment completely consumes usually my morning and early afternoon hours. I'm not someone who works at night, uh, my brain starts kind of shutting off in the late afternoon. So right now I'm very lucky. I was hired by, um, a global architecture firm named Gresham Smith to come in and refresh all of their bios. And so these are bios that are going on their website and their CV. And it sounds really tedious and kind of boring, but it's super fun because I'm getting to interview like hundreds of architects and engineers and all these incredibly brilliant people. And so, you know, I'll do a couple interviews a day. I'll transcribe some of them, write them up, and then maybe do something kind of, you know, mindless, like answer emails. Um, and then in the evening, I am a big believer if you want to be a writer, you should read. So I try to read. And then usually I just pass out in front of my Netflix with my laptop <laughs> on my chest. Somewhere Love in there, it. eat a couple meals. <laughs> That's great. I'm That's definitely... Great. Um, uh, more of a 
introvert by nature. Yeah, but and kind also of a home get buddy. out there too. I know yeah, you do. yeah. But then I, but then every once in a while, like last week, I like to go to a fun event or something. Yes, yeah. Keep life interesting. Exactly. So we still got to do our dive bar, Nashville dive bar hop. I am totally down. We can start with the batter's box across yes. the street from my house or end there. Whatever you like. I love it. Yeah, I'm always down for a good dive bar. Yeah. Um. Any advice you would give to listeners who want to start their own venture? I That's a great question. I would say patience and resilience is critical. Mm-hmm. And I think both are cultivated. I am innately not a patient person. I'm actually extremely impatient. Um but nothing happens overnight, you know, and I'll share this. I mean, at age 30, so I'm 31 now, but at age 30, after doing the writing thing for 11 years, I finally made some money. And it wasn't like it was falling from the sky, but I was to a point where I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night scared about how I was going to pay my bills. And so you know, but that took 11 years. And so I say that to encourage yeah. and not discourage. Right. Um, and I think for me personally, I actually move better pacing myself and maybe even moving better a little bit slower than I want to. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I see too often people want to build their business like overnight. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, having this like kind of slow evolution from like, or criticism to music journalism to copywriting, and now I'm writing books for corporations. Um, one, it's fascinating. I like looking back um, and looking at my old work and just kind of smiling and thinking how far I've come. But two, I've padded a lot of those years with time to self-reflect mm-hmm. and pivot if something isn't working. Um, and I've made tons of mistakes and I've had tons of projects blow up in my face and that's just life. You know, I mean, life is extremely challenging and, and so is building a career. It's not supposed to be easy. Like one of my good interview subjects and friends said recently, um, and so I would say, don't base your perception of what a career should be on social media. It's a bunch of bullshit. You know, what a career is, I'll tell you, it's it's a big mess, but it's loads of fun. Yeah. And if you have any sort of success, I would celebrate it. Right. You know, I I, I frequently pat myself on the back. I yeah. think it's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, I think um, too often we achieve something and just move on to the next thing and I'm the opposite, man. I mean, like any day I accomplish an interview, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I think it's we have to be optimistic about our own life and, you know, love ourselves before we can go out and love others. So I think that's really step one. It's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, um, maybe having a little more grace, you know, I – Today, I was supposed to do an interview with a guy. I thought he was meeting me in person. I found out two seconds before I thought he was going to arrive that he lived in Florida. <laughs> and I emailed him and I was like, wow, 
I'm obviously like out of it, but I said, I'm so sorry. Can we do a phone interview instead? Because obviously I'm not flying to Florida in the next two seconds. And he laughed and said, no sweat. Give me five minutes. And we talked and had a great time. And it's like, whatever. Right. You yeah, know, exactly. cares. It's I like, if, if, you know, if that's the biggest mistake I make all day, I'm doing pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's such an important part of being an entrepreneur too is just being able to not sweat learning not to sweat the small things because otherwise you're going to get caught up and never move on be able to move on to the things that actually matter no and last thing done better than perfect i am not a perfectionist i was when i was younger and now i do my best and then i move on yeah and that's how books get made not uh sitting there and obsessing over one sentence right exactly because no one else is gonna know no one gives a shit yeah <laughs> everyone's worried about themselves exactly moral of the story <laughs> exactly <laughs> totally oh just do your gosh. thing baby yeah all right well thanks so much for coming out and being on the podcast today really appreciate it it's been a lot of fun and excited to see where your career continues to take you Thank you. And um, yes, I, I was thrilled to be on. You know, I think the world of you and anyone who's interested in anything I'm doing can go to www.wordofmouthconversations.com. That's where I will post interviews. You can buy my second book on there and find out about any events that I'm participating in, including the one with you, Elam, on December 6th. Perfect. Yeah. Great place to get Christmas gifts. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Please reach out to share your experiences with us by emailing newinnashvillepodcast at gmail.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list and access our social media at www.newinnashvillepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, please review and subscribe on iTunes and refer our podcast to a friend today. Thank you to Jared Anderson of Evergreen Productions for producing and engineering our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. The music in this episode is provided by Carrie Ann Larson. She is a singer-songwriter who strives to write songs that people hear their own stories in. You can find her music, including her latest single, Fairweather Friend, on all digital platforms.